Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. Good morning. How's everybody doing? I'm so glad to see all of your smiling faces. And we want to just greet everyone watching uh, online. Wish you were here. Hope to see you soon. It is my privilege to once again share another message from God's wonderful word with you this morning. And as usual, if you would like to follow along the outline of this message, you can do so through your Bible app. Uh, through, make sure you choose Encounter Church from the events, and there is your outline. Or if you'd like to follow along the hard copy, well, there's a printed version back there in the preaching box. So follow along as you will. Happy May. Turn to somebody and say, Happy May. <laughs> say, it's May Day. Not really. I guess that was yesterday, but it is May. And we are just so, who's happy that it's like officially, like hopefully, permanently spring, right? I saw it might be in the 40s again one day this next week. But, but anyway, it's, it's, it's not going to be super cold anymore. I'm just glad that it's kind of spring to stay. And uh, spring uh, is all about multiplication, right? It's when all the flowers and the animals... Uh, do what they need to do to multiply, and all of us, uh, all of us pay the, the price of the multiplication of the flowers, right? Anybody been sneezing and sniffling and all that kind of stuff, right? But spring is the season of multiplication, and you know, this morning we're just continuing in our 2021 theme, multiply, right? All year long we are quoting and memorizing this verse, ready, let's do it together, then, then, then. Then, then the word of God spread and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly. Come on, let's do our thing. Erase it from the screen. Ready? Let's go. Then it's still there. Then the word of God spread. Acts 6, 7. All year long, our prophetic focus is to multiply the culture of Jesus through the words of Jesus. Wait, how is it that the values, the culture of Jesus get multiplied? How does it happen? Through the what? Through the words of Jesus. And so during 2021, we are taking time to read word for word through the words of Jesus found in the Gospel of Mark. You say, as all we're reading Mark? No. If you've been around, you know we've been reading from a lot of other spots, right? We we're going to learn throughout the Bible, but we are going to read every single word of the Gospel of Mark, focusing in on the words of Jesus. Uh, who has learned something already from reading through Mark, right? It's been good. I, I was just thinking about it. Already, just in we're not even quite finished with the third chapter of Mark. We're going to finish it up today, okay? But we've learned about baptisms, like water baptism and the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We've learned about our purpose. We've learned about God's love and value for souls. We learned about five core values of the gospel. And uh, if you were here two weeks ago, the last time I was, uh, had the privilege of sharing the word with you guys, we really dove into the topic of discipleship right because if anyone is the perfect model of what discipleship really is it would be Jesus right 
<laughs> Ultimately, we are Jesus' disciples, and he gave us the model of what, it, what discipleship should look like. So if you remember, could you show me with your hands what discipleship looks like? Come on, somebody. Who remembers the Greek word for discipleship, right? Diatribo. Now, if you're comfortable, could you show me with the person next to you with your shoulders what discipleship looks like? If you weren't here two weeks ago, here's a quick lesson. Here's a quick lesson. The first part of Mark chapter 3 says that Jesus went up on the mountain and he called out those that he wanted to come with him. And they came to him and he chose 12 to accompany him. All right, and that word accompany is a, is a gospel word. It's a Greek word that we find throughout the gospels. The word diatribo or diatribo, however you want to pronounce it. And literally it means to rub together, right? Come on, let's just do it one more time. I, don't want, I want us to all really, really get this. To rub together, to rub off on, to consume, right? To spend regular time rubbing off on. And so we learned from Jesus that discipleship is all about rubbing Jesus off on one another, right? So we ended with the question, whom are you rubbing off on? Who is rubbing off on you? Who is pouring Christ into you and into whom are you pouring Christ. And that was the first half, basically, of Mark chapter 3. And today, we are going to finish reading through and talking through the rest of Mark chapter 3. Who wants to get through chapter 3 today? We're going to try our best. I think we're going to be able to do it. But just before we get, and, and we're going to pick up in verse 20, actually. So if you want to go ahead and find it in your Bible, of course, you can follow along here on the screen. As we're reading through the gospel of Mark, to get a really um, more complete understanding of the words of Jesus, we've been reading the Amplified version of the Bible, right? Because it has Greek translation and explanation of the word. So in just a minute, we're going to pick up with Mark chapter 3, verse 20. But just before I get there, remember that the first half of Mark chapter 3 is that Jesus had just called out and chosen his discipleship group, right? And Jesus had 12 disciples. They were, his, they were his group, right? Many of you are involved in a discipleship group. But just very quickly, before I get to verse 20, I want to just ask each, each one of these people, when I say your name, stand to your feet and remain standing, all right? Remain standing, all right? Stand up, RJ, Rebecca, all right, and stay, stay standing, okay? Apostle, right? Uh, Ashley, Ashlyn, Jordan, Talia, Carlos, Quinn, Ian, Kwame, Will, Alex, Aaron, Jonathan, Lady Alex, and Man Alex, all right? Alex and Alex, all right? Diane, Jackie, Chandra, Kara, Rebecca Macias, Alicia, Sarah, Nicole, Sara, 
Iván, Leti, and Lourdes. Okay. And I may have missed one, but I want you guys to remain standing because every one of these that are standing either are already leading a discipleship group or they're opening a new one right now, all right? And let me say this. There are, very, there, there are quite a few more getting ready to open. I just heard this week of two or three more discipleship groups that are about to open. Now, stay standing, obviously, Pastora Diana and Pastora Liz. All right, just stand up really quickly. And, uh, of course, Pastor Julian and I. What I want to say is, if you have not yet connected in a discipleship group, okay, where you can very intentionally have that diatribo, right, where you can learn from others to follow Jesus, I want to encourage you to talk to one of these guys. I'm making them stay standing because I want you to get a good look at who they are. Look all around, front and back on every side, right? There are a few that are, are maybe working with the kids or out of town or sick today, but you can always ask them about their discipleship group, all right? Now, Diana and Liz and Pastor Julian and I, if you don't know which one of these guys to talk to, if you're like, I'm not sure which one would be the best, come ask us, and we will direct you to the right one. And very soon, there will be more, all right? I want to give these guys a hand for... All right, thank you. You say, Pastor Hunter, when are you going to stop insisting that we join a discipleship group when 100% of you guys are in one? So, we take very seriously Jesus' command. It wasn't a suggestion. Before Jesus ascended back to the Father, he didn't suggest that his disciples should make more disciples. He commanded. It was literally the commission, the command. Our purpose in the earth as the people of God is to take the message of the gospel and make more disciples. And so we are all about some disciple making. All right. Who's ready for Mark chapter 3 verses 20 through 35? Are you ready? Well, look in your Bible or get ready to follow along on the screen. But just before I read, I want you to say some, others, many. Some, others, many. All right, let's read through it, and then we're going to break it down. Then he came to a house in Capernaum, and a crowd formed again. So remember, we're really trying to study through the word. Why was Capernaum uh, special? Anybody know why Capernaum was special? Okay, I've done this before, but let's do it again, all right? Uh, Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, the Virgin Mary, in the city of? No, that's where he was born. I'm going there. Where was he conceived? Where were they? Where did they live? Jerusalem. All right. Okay. Jesus was, because of a census, he had to be born in? He ended up being born in Bethlehem. And then because of the threat to his life, he was a refuge for a few years in Egypt. Then after Egypt... He was raised in the town of Nazareth, right? That's where he was called Jesus of Nazareth because that's where he was raised. That was his quote-unquote hometown, right? But when he grew up, he lived in Capernaum, sort of. <laughs> he kind of lived everywhere. But it's officially sort of said that Je that's where Jesus quote-unquote lived, all right? And then 
he died in Jerusalem. That's right. All right. You had it on the tip of your tongue. All right. So Capernaum was where um, it's believed that maybe quite a few of his disciples were from there. Okay. But that was considered sort of where Jesus lived as an adult during his ministry, right? So that being said, he came to a house in Capernaum and a crowd formed again, right? We're only in Mark chapter 3 and then we're already seeing how people follow Jesus around everywhere, right? So many people that Jesus and his disciples could not even eat a meal together. Talk about busy. When his own family heard this they went to take custody of him for they were saying he's out of his mind anybody ever heard that all right so that's what his family said all right let's keep reading the scribes who came down from jerusalem were saying something else the who all right so his family all right now the scribes religious folks right they were saying He's possessed by the devil. <laughs> Specifically, Beelzebub, all right? Another one of the names of Satan. He's possessed by Beelzebub, Satan, the devil. And they were saying, he's driving out demons by the power of the ruler of demons. So he called him to himself and spoke to them in parables because they couldn't take it straight. And he said... How can Satan drive out Satan? Right? Turn to somebody and say, How can Satan drive out Satan? Duh. Right? Religiosity makes, them say, makes us say some awfully dumb things sometimes. If a kingdom is divided, split into factions, and rebelling against itself, that kingdom can't stand. And if a house is divided against itself, the house can't stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand. But it's coming to an end. But no one. Can go into a strong man's house and steal his property unless he first overpowers and ties up the strong man, and then he will ransack and rob his house. AKA, I'm here, I'm stronger than Satan, and I've come to plunder his house, right? Now, we get to a very interesting portion of scripture, and I'm not going to focus on this today, but I am going to give you a little bonus here in just a minute to explain this, okay? Because a lot of people misunderstand this and a lot of people are terrified of it, okay? Which we ought to be, but we all right? I assure you and most solemnly say to you, all sins will be forgiven of the sons of man and all the abusive and blasphemous things they say. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit and his power by attributing the miracles done by me to Satan has no, never has forgiveness, but is guilty of, of an everlasting sin, an, a sin which is unforgivable in this present age as well as the age to come. Jesus said this because the scribes and Pharisees were attributing his miracles to Satan by saying, he has an unclean spirit. 
the fear of the Lord has entered the building, right? Then his mother and brothers arrived. Remember what we read in verse 20, 21? They were like, we got to go get Jesus. He's kind of like, ooh, he's gone off the deep end, right? Any of your mother or brothers ever said that about you? I hope it was because of Jesus. But there they were, standing outside, and they sent word to him and called for him. And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Look, your mother and your brothers are outside asking for you. And I really think they emphasize the word mother, right? Because you know when mom comes and calls, you better be listening, right? I think it was kind of like the disciples were like, Jesus, guess what? Your brothers and your mom are there, and they want you to come. And Jesus replied to them, who are my mother and my brothers? Looking at those who were sitting in a circle around him, he said, here they are. Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God by believing in me and following me, he is my mother and sister, my brother and sister and mother. All right. We ready to break it down? Are you sure? Turn to somebody and I want you to tell them. Yo, I ain't turned to nobody. Turn to somebody and tell them. I'm not going to tell you yet because you're going you're gonna to consider if you're going to do it or not. Turn to somebody and stare at them. I'm just kidding. We like to break the ice at Encounter Church, all right? Just tell them, some, some will think you're crazy. Now turn to somebody else and tell them, others will think you're bad. And then turn to one more person and give them the biggest smile you can and tell them, many become your family. All right. Number one, some will think you are crazy. Come on, somebody. Are y'all ready to go with this? Some will think you're crazy. His own family said, Jesus is out of his mind. <laughs> so busy, they don't even have time to sit down and eat a meal together. He must have just... You know, I know, like, this whole Messiah thing is important, and especially Mary, his mother, knew who he was. <laughs> Hello? She kind of had the encounter with the angel and the, had a baby as a virgin, and God told him who he was. But somehow she was upset or worried, and well, I don't know if she was just going along with the brothers and sisters, but... They thought that Jesus was just, had just gone a little too far. And following Jesus for real will cause some to think you are crazy and that you have gone off the deep end. I didn't say being a pew-warming Sunday Christian. Because nobody cares about that. 
The devil don't even care about you if that's all you are. I love you. (laughs) Following Jesus for real? Like, for real, obeying and following Jesus will cause some to think you're crazy. First Peter 4, 4 says, of course, your former friends are surprised when you, don't, when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things they do, so they slander you. Right? Listen, of course, people, the, the people that, that don't know Jesus, the people of the world, right? The people that, that have never met the Jesus that you've met. The people you used to hang out with and do things you ought not to with. Why are y'all looking at me like that, young people? I hope your friends have called you crazy. Because if not, they hadn't seen any difference. Because it says, of course, your former friends are surprised when you don't do what you used to do. When you get invited to the club and you say, no. But you can come to church with me. When you get invited to light that joint up and you say, no, but God, I got something better than drugs for you. When you get insisted on taking a nap with somebody and you tell them, I ain't sleepy. I'm alive in Christ. I'm awake. I am awake. I don't take those kind of naps anymore. Unless, of course, you're married. Has anyone ever been slandered? You've been talked about, right? You've been made fun of. You've been ridiculed. You've been despised because your life changed when you decided to follow Jesus. We ought to expect it, y'all. The sad thing is, it's not just the world, though. Come on, this this is about to get sticky, all right? Have you ever been accused by other believers for just, for just being too radical? By other Christians who just think you've taken it too far? I mean, yes, and Jesus, and I love Jesus and all of that, but that's just too much, bro. Right? You serve too much. You've changed too much. Yes, holiness and righteousness, but that, that just seems a little, little too much, right? You're too, have you ever been accused of being too busy for the Lord? Jesus and his disciples couldn't even eat together. That's how busy for the Lord they were. And they were fine. They were okay. 
Have you ever been accused by another Christian of just going a little too far? But this is the way I've heard it said. I think they're just overdoing it. I ask, have you ever been told that? You ever been told that? Good. Keep it up. Keep it up. Did it phase Jesus and his disciples? My mom and my brothers think I'm just overdoing it. It's, it's, it's like he ignored what they said. <laughs> and that's what we have to learn to do, y'all. Let me just explain it like this. People who have never experienced the joy of serving God will never be able to understand your level of commitment. And, and, and this applies to people that don't know God in the world. But this also applies to people that do know God and are just not willing to go that far for Jesus. Not willing to do that much. I want to go to heaven and everything, but I, I don't want to do that much while I'm still here on the earth. It's because they've never discovered, and if that's you... It's because you've never discovered the joy that it brings to give it all for Jesus. I could never give too much for the one who gave his life for me. I could never serve him too much. The one who served me to the utmost, to the uttermost, going to the cross. Some will think you're crazy, though. That's okay. Good. Come on, tap somebody and say, good. Keep it up. <laughs> this is funny. We have lots of amens and shouts, and then we have lots of... <sighs> How about the next one? Some will think you're crazy, but others will actually think you're bad. Like bad, evil, right? Following Jesus for real? Come on, somebody. Again, I'm not talking about just somebody that comes to church and says they believe in Jesus. No, following Jesus for real, obeying Jesus, okay, will cause some people to actually think you are evil or bad. Because you, or, 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 or that you stand for something wrong, right? Boy, do we hear that today. Remember when Christians used to be considered the good people of society? Uh, remember a few years ago when Christians used to be considered the good people of society? Some of y'all don't remember. All right. It's been a minute. But they thought Jesus was evil. I mean, some thought he was crazy. Others thought he was evil. That who he was and what he stood for and what he taught was evil, was bad. And some people are going to think you're crazy, but others are going to actually think you're a bad person for following Jesus. And that you stand for something that's bad and wrong and hurtful. 
okay? I mean, today, just an example, just to say I am a man who still believes what the Word of God says about sexuality and marriage, and I agree with the Word of God that the definition of marriage, by the way, God created marriage, so he's the only one who has the ability to define it, right? right? The definition of marriage is a lifelong commitment between a man and a woman, right? That, we're, 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 because we're being careful that there's no small children here again, right, right, right? That sex and sexuality is reserved only for the covenant relationship of marriage, right? Just saying that I believe that in the eyes of many makes me bad, right? I'm the wrong guy. Now that is one of, I could, we could talk about a whole long list of topics, right? That because you have decided to follow Jesus, which means you agree with the word of God, guess what? The word of God the law of God is higher and it is different than the word and the law of this world. And we, are, we, are, we, we live to a different standard. Now listen, that doesn't make us better or superior. It just makes us special. Come on, somebody. I've heard, I've heard somebody, you know, I've heard this conversation. Why Israel? Like as if Israel was superior than the rest of the nations. Why did God choose Israel? Israel was never superior. Israel was just special. Right? Because God chose them to show all of us who he is. Hello? And, and, and because we stand for the truth that's in the word of God, because we stand for morality and we stand for life and we stand for real true justice and we stand for all the things that we can see in the word, of, because we stand for things that go against the world system, that now causes many people to call us bad. Have you ever been called bad? <sighs> Have you ever been looked at it? Oh, one of those that, you know. Old-fashioned still believes the old way. I don't believe the old way. I believe the way. The ancient way. The everlasting way, the Bible says. God doesn't change. And the truth found in his word will never change. The truth is the truth even if everybody calls it a lie. And a lie is a lie even if everybody believes it's true. But listen, we have got to be willing and bold to stand for the truth, even if it means some people are going to call us bad. Okay? Let me just, let, let, let's see what Jesus said. Matthew 10, 24, 25. Students are not greater than their teacher, and slaves are not greater than their master. Students are to be like their teacher, and slaves are to be like their master. And since I, I, Jesus, I, the master of the household, have been called the prince of demons, the members of my household will be called even worse names. So if I haven't been criticized for following Jesus, I might need to be a little bit more bold. 1 Peter 4, 14 through 16. If you are insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you will be blessed. For the glorious spirit of God rests upon you. If you suffer, however, it must not be. <laughs> Hello? For murder, stealing, making trouble, prying into other people's affairs, right? 
Don't do and say dumb things and get criticized for it and then just say, hey, it's because of Jesus. It is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. Whoo! Matthew 5, 11, and 12, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you're my followers. Not for other reasons, <laughs> because you're my followers. Be happy about it. For a great reward awaits you in heaven. Remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted, persecuted, persecuted in the same way. What a privilege. What a privilege to be ridiculed for the cause of Christ. Now again, 1 Peter 4, make sure you're being criticized for the right thing. I want to live my life that I know that it's going to cause some people to think I'm bad or evil or criticize me because of what I stand for. I don't want to be criticized because of bad behavior, <laughs> divisive behavior or language, being ugly or mean or rude or, he says, prying into other people's affairs. Hello, the big G word? Gossip. Unfortunately, Christians are well known for this one. It's one of those sins we just kind of don't consider a sin. It's just, you know, the Lord gave me a mouth and I'm going to use it. If you're being criticized for your gossip, good. You ought to be criticized. We ought to be criticized, right? If I'm criticized because I stole something, good. I ought to be criticized for it. Shame on me. If you're criticized because you're ugly and mean and rude, that's not the same as being bold, y'all. <laughs> Come on, listen, Christians. Being bold and being rude is not the same thing. Jesus was the boldest man to ever live, but he wasn't rude. He just told it like it was, with love. <laughs> so the Bible says we speak the truth in love, right? But what a privilege to stand for Christ, to stand for his word, for his truth, and to be either called crazy or called, called bad. Now, are you ready for a little parenthesis? Are we okay? This is not the focus of the message, but I do want to explain to you the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, Okay? It's almost kind of like, let's insert this in here and then we'll move on, all right? Bonus, okay? Notice that the Bible, okay, does not teach us about the spirit of anti-Jesus. It teaches us about the spirit of anti-Christ, okay? Jesus was his name, Yeshua, right? 
Christ was not his last name. Christ isn't a name. Christ was his title. Christ was who he was. God himself in a human body. Okay? God in the flesh. Emmanuel. God with us. The word of God. Visible. Okay? But Christ means anointed one. All right? That's literally what the word means. Anointed one. What does Christ mean? What was Christ's anointing? Let me rephrase it. Who was Christ's anointing? What made Jesus the Christ? And maybe this is like, no. I know some of you know this. Okay, Jesus was conceived by whom? The Holy Spirit. Okay, all right. And then before Jesus did any miracles or began to preach the kingdom of God or anything, he was first filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the Christ because of the Spirit of God in him and upon him. Conceived by the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, okay? And so what Jesus was literally doing right here was revealing the spirit of anti-Christ. This is the spirit of anti-Christ. There's a lot of things that are anti-Jesus, right? And Jesus said here, and there are other uh, uh, versions of this, right? In the Gospels, but basically he was saying, you can say all you want to say against me as a man, right? Yeah? There's a lot of things that, are, that, 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 that even the world would consider anti-Jesus, right? Like, I mean, most of the world considers Jesus as loving, and so unloving would be considered anti-Jesus, right? Yes? But that's different than anti-Christ, Antichrist is not only to deny that Jesus had the Holy Spirit, but to call the works of Jesus the devil. Yeah? These people had the spirit of the devil working in them that were blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Okay? This is what happens. Okay? People that do this or have this type of spirit will never, ever believe in Christ as Savior and Lord. It's impossible. Why? Because what made Jesus Christ in order, able to save us was the Spirit of God on him and in him. I think we're almost getting it. I see the light bulb. You know, like those light bulbs that, 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 oh, we have them in here. Show us what it looks like for the lights to go up and down. All right, bring it all the way down. All right, bring it halfway up. All right, that's where we are. <laughs> Come on, let's, let's bring it. Okay, let me see what I wrote. Blas Holy Spirit blasphemy is an anti-Jesus. It's anti-Christ. It's an anti-Christ spirit. To commit blasphemy against the Holy Spirit 
You would literally need to do what they did, okay? Which is call the work of the Holy Spirit demonic. Now, this is why we ought to be really careful how we talk about things we don't understand. I don't fear blaspheming the Holy Spirit because I'm in love with Jesus the Christ. Okay? But I, 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 I'm very cautious and very careful to ever criticize the work of the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit's moving, how the Holy Spirit's touching someone. Yeah? The, the, the work of the Spirit in someone's life. Even, get this, even the manifestations of the Holy Spirit that sometimes we don't understand. I don't know about you, but there have been times when I've, the Holy Spirit is manifested and it's kind of like, all righty then, right? <laughs> but I dare not, dare not speak against it. And there will be things sometimes the Spirit of God. I remember the first time I ever saw somebody touched with the Holy Spirit and like fall out on the ground. I was like, I'm going to the back row, y'all. Like... <laughs> and later on he got me alright but this is this is a subject that people want to complicate that is not complicated okay look, look, look at me do you believe in Jesus as the Christ the son of the living God born by a miracle of the Holy Spirit anointed by the Holy Spirit to be and do what he did, then you haven't committed the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And as long as you are in love with Jesus and following Jesus as your Lord, you will not blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Let's all breathe. Okay, we can bring the lights back up. Let's all breathe a collective sigh of relief. But, but turn to somebody and say, you better be careful. How you talk about things you don't understand. All right. Cuidado. See, some will think you're crazy. Others will think you're bad. But finally, oh, this is the good one. Some will think you're crazy. You're, you know, you're overdoing it. Now you're a fanatic ever since you found Jesus. I love Jesus too, but not as much as you. You know, you're crazy. If you ever told you're out of your mind, say, you're exactly right. I'm in my spirit. <laughs> I actually don't say that. It's a little weird, but, <laughs> but you can think it. <laughs> Some will think you're crazy. Others will really think, actually think you're bad because of what you stand for, because of whom you stand for. And again, make sure it's because of whom you stand for, not because of what you could be criticized for. But the amazing news of the gospel is that many become your family. Even though some will think you're crazy and others will think you're bad, many will become your family. Our spiritual family is an important part of our spiritual identity. 
Notice when the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray, they had been hearing him again and again and again and again and again refer to my father, my father, my father. I do what I see my father do, right? My father, my father. Teach us how to pray like you. Our father. Many become our family when we have the same father, right? And our spiritual family is so important. It's such an important part of our spiritual identity. That's why without being connected to a local church, you're not going to thrive as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Without being planted, committed, right? But, 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 but the church is imperfect. You better believe it. You know why? Because you're part of it. And I'm part of it. Come on, turn to somebody and say, I, I see a little bit of dysfunction. Come on, let me just say, can I set you free today? Can the truth, can I set you free today with the truth? The body of Christ is composed of human beings. We are a family. We are a family. Really dysfunctional. That did not rhyme at all, but you know. As long as I am a part of the family of God, we're going to have a little bit of dysfunction. And as long as you are a part of the family of God, believe it or not, you're a little hard to deal with sometimes. Andy's over there looking at me like, except me. I don't cause no trouble. Which is true most of the time. <laughs> let this truth set you free let this truth set you free all right i know i'm being silly but this is very serious if you have left the church a local church considering leaving this local church or are looking for the perfect church because you find imperfection Break it to you. That's just the way it is. We're becoming like Christ together. Dia Tribo. We're becoming like Christ together. The more we rub Jesus off on one another, well, the less dysfunctional we'll become. Even Jesus thought that spiritual family was an important part of spiritual identity. Even Jesus. Come on, I'm getting ready to close this out, but let's go back to Mark chapter 3, 31 through 35. This is the new living of what we already read in the Amplified. Then Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, and they stood outside and sent word for him to come out and talk with them. The crowd was sitting there around Jesus, and someone said, your mother and your brothers are outside asking for you. And Jesus replied, who is my mother? 
who are my brothers? Then he looked around. He looked at those around him and said, look, these are my mother and my brothers. Anyone who does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Now, listen. Don't go getting any weird ideas. Jesus was not denying his blood relatives. Okay? Come on now. Remember. Remember when mom asked him, uh, Jesus, the, um, the, 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 the wine ran out. Can you do something about it? It's not my time, mom. Please. <laughs> I don't know how she said it, but she got him to do it, right? Later on, we, we realize that, like, Jesus' mother was actually one of his disciples. <laughs> Some of his brothers ended up becoming disciples and apostles. Jesus wasn't denying his blood relatives, so don't do that, please. Don't, don't do that. Don't, I'm a Christian now, I have nothing to do with you. Do not do that. Okay, that's the opposite of what you ought to do. What he was doing was simply revealing the power of spiritual identity, spiritual family, what we now call the local church, right? I don't know if you've noticed this, but when you become a Christian, in many ways, we become more like our spiritual family than maybe we're like our natural family. Not that the way we look changes, but, you know, the culture of Jesus through the words of Jesus. We become part of a new family with a new culture, with a totally different value system. And oftentimes we, we, start, we start looking more like our spiritual family than we, would, than we ever look like our natural family, right? Now, come on, somebody say hashtag, hashtag. Goals. goals. All right? What an extra super special blessing when your natural family is also a part of your spiritual family. I mean, I want my mom and dad, they are Christians, right? And my, my sister, my, 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 my family, my, my wife, my kids, my grandparents, my aunts, my uncles, my cousins, my nieces, my nephews. I want them all to be a part of my spiritual family, right? Many of my family are. Some are not yet. And if my prayers have anything to do with it, they will be. But what an amazing, like, blessing if your actual natural family is also your spiritual family. But it's not always that way. The amazing thing is, even if you're the only member of your family that is a disciple of Jesus, you're now part of the biggest family on earth. And the Bible says, even if you're abandoned by your mother and your father, the Lord will pull you in close. The Bible says God causes the lonely to dwell in family. You can't make it without a spiritual family. And I know I'm 
preaching to the choir because you're all here today. <laughs> you're part of the local church. But I want to really encourage you. Make spiritual family a priority in your life. Not just a group of people that you go sit in a row every Sunday or two or three and are surrounded by these people you're not even really closely connected with. You don't even really know them very well. It's just we like that worship team over there or that short dude that preaches on Sundays or make spiritual family a priority listen they'll make you better and you'll make us better now I know I've done this I've overdone this today but I'm gonna do it one more time turn to somebody turn to somebody and just I'm, and, and, and this isn't even funny just tell them you make me better and now you can be a little funny with it. You can be funny with this one. You can be funny with this one. I make you better too. <laughs> make a move today towards making your spiritual family a priority in your life. Listen, most of you, this is your spiritual family. Encounter Church is your spiritual family. I want to encourage you. I'm not rebuking you or correcting you. I want to encourage you today. Get planted. Get plugged in. Get connected. Get in relationship and friendship. Actually have a brother, sister in your life that's not just a weird religious way to call somebody my brother in Christ. It's like, do you even know that brother's name and story? How can they be your brother? How can it be your sister if you don't even really know them? Let's, let's, let, 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 let's, let's not be, let's be done with the brothers and sisters thing. But like, y'all, we're really sisters and brothers. A family, mothers, fathers, Right? We're family. That means we're going to struggle sometimes with each other. We're going to get on each other's nerves. We might get on each other's last nerve. But we also are totally committed to one another because we're committed to the same cause, the same vision. The same purpose, the same goal, to see God's kingdom come to the earth, right? Get committed to your spiritual family. That's why, again, nobody's going to force you. Nobody's even going to push you or coerce you. But we highly encourage you, if you're not part of a discipleship group, get in one. Say, I don't know where to get in one. I already told you who to talk to. I'm just not sure about that. Give it a try. Because you need a family. Because some are going to think you're crazy. <laughs> Others are going to actually think you're bad. But in Christ, many 
become family. And we need each other. Listen, I'm going to close with this. And I'm going to ask as we move into this last couple of moments of the service, if you would, let's not get distracted. Let's not get up and down and in and out and move around because this is very serious and important. Are we ready? Jesus died to adopt you into his family. What a beautiful thing. Adoption is an amazing thing, right? I mean, just natural adoption, like a child that has no family that someone would say, I mean, it could cost forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 to adopt a child into a family, give them a last name, an identity, right? And Jesus didn't pay forty dollars or $50,000. It wasn't with gold or silver or the blood of animal sacrifices, but with his own life and blood. He died on the cross to get rid of the sin that separated us from the Father. And then when we believe in him, when we trust in him, the Bible says he puts in our heart the Holy Spirit who's called the Spirit of Adoption. And the Holy Spirit lets us know that we're children of God. The Holy Spirit brings us into family with God and with one another. Are you part of the family? And Jesus paid the highest price so you could be part of the family. Just for a moment, I'd like to ask if everyone wouldn't mind just closing your eyes. And we don't close our eyes to pray because it's magical or holy. But because in moments like these, it's so important that you really take a good look on the inside of yourself. I'm just going to let the worship team come and get settled. Just again, I, I would really encourage you, don't let anything distract you right now from Him. It's the love of God is here today. Some of you have been encouraged because you've been called crazy or even been accused of being bad or wrong because of your stand for Christ. And today you're being encouraged by His Word. Some of you have really struggled with that. And we want to actually pray with you as a family here in a minute. We want to pray for God to fill you with courage and boldness and just to encourage you to continue to stand for Jesus. But maybe there's somebody here today that isn't yet part of the family. You need to give your life to Jesus today. And Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. All you've got to do is turn away from your sin. Say no more of this life. I turn my life and my heart over to God. And I believe Jesus is the Lord. I believe Jesus died in my place. He paid the price for my sins. Today, I surrender all to Jesus. If you do that, the Bible says you'll actually be born again. You'll get a whole new life. And you'll become a part of the family of God. The Holy Spirit will come into your heart and adopt you. 
but it is a personal decision that no one else can make for you. Is that anyone? Is that anyone? And it just felt so strongly a minute ago that there's at least one person here. I'm not going to single you out or stand you up in front of everybody, but right now with every, every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, would you just wave at me really quick? You can actually slip your hand up and down. Say, that's me. All right, who else? I think there may be two more people. Say, that's me. If you put your hand up, you can put it back down. Thank you. Is that anybody else? Say, I need to give my life to Jesus. Okay? Listen, whether you raised your hand or not is really beside the point. The point is the decision that you make. And so all together right now, I want to invite everyone. Let's pray this together as a family in support of one another, in support of those who are making this decision today. Again, whether you raise your hand or not, if you mean this with your heart, God hears you and he will save you and he will bring you into his family. Come on, let's pray together. Father, our Father. Come on, let's pray it. Our Father. I believe you came for me to save me. Today, I repent. I turn away from this way I've been living, far from you. Today, I come to you. I surrender to you. I turn my heart over to you. I believe Jesus. You died for me in my place. Paid the price to forgive my sin. Jesus, I receive forgiveness. I decide. Come on. I decide and I declare Jesus Christ is my Lord. I will follow Jesus the rest of my days. Holy Spirit, come and fill me. Fill my heart. Help me know I'm a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen. How about we all stand? Part of our worship is saying yes to I know some people will think I'm crazy. I know some people will even think or say that I'm bad or wrong or whatever it is. It's part of my worship to follow you anyway, Jesus. You are worth everything. You are worth Jesus. Even giving my life for you if necessary because you gave your life for me. You are worth standing up for the truth. You are worth being bold. You are worth living different than everybody else. 
You are worth being called crazy. You are worth being called bad. You are worth being looked down on or ridiculed or made fun of, Jesus. Here's my worship. My life is my worship. My life is my worship. We worship you today, Jesus. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through His Word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.